Welcome to the Williamstown Church of Christ podcast. This is a sermon recording from one of our Sunday worship gatherings. We meet every Sunday at 10am on the corner of John Street and Douglas Parade, and we'd love to meet you. For more information, head to our website, willychurch.org.au. Enjoy and God bless you. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah ahead of you. He will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare for the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptising in the desert, Regan and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptised by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and leather wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come more powerful than I. The thongs, the thongs of whose saddles I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but the but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days, being tempted by Saturn. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus news of God. The time has come. He pent and believe the good news. Good morning, party people. Happy AGM Sunday. Great to see so many in corporate attire. A great um, prank we played on, on Megan as a church while she was gone. Um, for all those who uh, chose not to, to do the corporate attire, power to you as well. I thought that probably more of us got opting for the not corporate attire and I was going to be very embarrassed. Casual Sunday for Phil. Um, so it's good to see that there's a blend. I, I had my favourite white shirt I was going to wear and you know, AGM Sunday, I thought I should iron it. I'm not a big ironer. And got the iron out, it just like burnt the shirt. So I'm in a sort of floral number, which maybe, you know, isn't as businessy, but... We, we try. Um, anyway, it's Business Sunday, so we want to get down to business. I don't have a good track record at being 20 minutes, um, as we might know, but let's see how we go. 
Mark chapter 1, 1-15. Good news. This is all about good news. This is the beginning of Mark's gospel. The beginning of the good news. Gospel literally means good news. And we, we say Mark is a gospel, the gospel of Mark. So Mark is good news. And Mark begins by saying, the beginning of the good news. So this is all about good news. And I wonder, has anyone here ever received good news? Can I get some hands in the air? Like we just do care. Two thumbs up. Oh, thanks, Paul. I'm talking like really good news. Like Trevor Carr calling you up and saying, Lockie, you're going to the AFL Grand Final. That, that is good news. Or, or other good news I received this year was, um, you know, when you're trying to lose weight for your wedding and you're just like, you're denying yourself donuts and all the good things in life and you get on the scales, the digital scales these days and you, you sort of wait and it's like trying to work it out. Not happy with that answer, so get off, try again. <laughs> and it's 83.1. 10 kilos lost for the wedding. That is good news. Or I'll tell you some, I'll tell you some really good news. This was a couple of years ago. I wanted to ask Jess out. I'd like finally decided, yep, I'm keen. I knew, she, I knew she wanted to go to a football game sometime. That's always a good sign. But the, the time that it was going to happen was the first round of the finals. And I had this like crazy schedule that weekend. I was the best man for an engagement party. And so Friday night we had to get ready for the engagement party. Saturday was the engagement party. Saturday night, I don't think... If I had have left like, the party just at straight on six to go Saturday night with Jess, that would have raised eyebrows. I couldn't go to a Crows game with Jess because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. So I'm just praying, like, God, sort out the fixture. Please, God. And then the good news comes. The fixture was released. Friday night, random game in Perth. Saturday afternoon, random game in Perth. Saturday night, the Crows are playing. So I can leave the engagement party to see the Crows. Everyone accepts that. Sunday afternoon, a random game at the MCG that I have no emotional attachment to. I can invite Jesse you along, who I do have an emotional attachment to. That is good news. Anyway, I park the car quite far away, so we have to walk through Fitzroy Gardens to get back to the car. And the rest is history. <laughs> Ten kilos later, we're married. <laughs> good news. Good news. Good news often comes when you're waiting, when you're hoping, when you're wanting. And Israel were waiting, hoping, and wanting. God had been silent for, for about 400 years. No prophets, no messengers, nothing. They, were, they weren't exiled anymore. Like if you read about the exiles to, to Babylon and um, Assyria. They weren't exiled anymore, but they weren't powerful or significant either. The Roman Empire was in full flight. Pagan religion ruled the roost. Israel longed for a promised Messiah, a king like David, who would bring them to power, defeat all evil, defeat the Roman Empire. And they also hoped and waited as well for the return of God, their God, the creator, Yahweh, 
to return to his people, for the presence of God to be with them once again. And for God who rescues and saves to do what he did in Egypt once again. A new exodus. And so I wonder, what are you hoping, waiting, wanting or longing for? There's good news. Let's get into the text. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the beginning of the story. The beginning of the story, which is titled, the beginning of, and the the title is essentially the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm going to zoom in on that verse in particular in a bit later, so we'll press on. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now I am three verses in to the the good news of Jesus and I have so many questions. First question is where is the Christmas story? You know what I mean? Like this is meant to be the beginning of the good news and I don't hear jingle bells, silent nights, no drummer boys, Justin Bieber, the best version of drummer boy. Christmas album's coming soon. Mark is just like, nobody's got time for that. Or if you follow memes, ain't nobody got time for that. Am I right, Autumn? (laughs) Hey, hello. Autumn knows what I'm talking about. Youth and Young Adults on Friday was great, by the way. Just a bit of a news update. Mark's got no time for that. Mark starts the story with Israel, the prophets of Israel. Mark begins the good news with the story of Israel, and in particular, the prophet Isaiah. Now, verse 2 is actually from Malachi, and verse 3 is from Isaiah, which is interesting. But um, in ancient biographies, you would usually reference the most important source. And Isaiah is the most important source in the the whole Gospel of Mark. Like I said, the Jewish people were waiting for years for the fulfilment of of a great prophecy, a great prophecy from Isaiah, that one day God would rescue and restore his people and they would be a light to the nations. God was going to come back, rescue, restore and redeem them, rebuild Jerusalem, their holy city, the place where God resides. But first there would be a preparer. And that's what these two prophecies speak of. And here is the preparer. This guy. This guy is the preparer for the Lord himself. This is the person who would prepare the way for God to return to his people. Interesting call. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. He was a prophet in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. He's an interesting guy, and yet he is the preparer that was prophesied, who would prepare the way for God himself to return to his people. It's a pretty random call, if you ask me, choosing a Baptist as the preparer, John the Baptist. I've said before, I'll say it again, John the Baptist is not called John the Baptist because of his denomination. It's not like I call John Pearson, John the Anglican. It's not like that. John the Baptist it was not a Baptist. If, he, if they did have denominations then, he'd probably be one of the hippie ones, judging by verse 6. Um, but John the Baptist is preaching a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist is, is drawing lots of attention 
And he's drawing people into the wilderness. He's baptising, which is something new. And he's a prophet after years of no prophets, after 400 years of silence. This is the first prophet. He's a prophet that looked like and sounded like Elijah. And Israel knew that Elijah was a prophet who would prepare the way for the Lord, the return of God himself. That's why actually Malachi, who is the prophet quoted in verse 2, prophesied, someone like Elijah would come. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. His message is that that someone more powerful than me is coming. That I am not even worthy. I read this and I pray. Would we be preparers? Would we prepare the way for the Lord as well? And would we be preparers who are as reverent as John the Baptist? People who prepare for the presence of God and know how majestic and powerful and worthy of worship he is. Jesus is coming. And he will pour out the long-awaited Holy Spirit. That was something else the people of Israel hoped for. The day when the Holy Spirit would be poured out. And hearts of stone would become soft hearts. And that's something we long for. The, The Holy Spirit has come, but we are still always longing for the Spirit to fall afresh. And so my prayer for us is that we would be John the Baptist. A little bit weird, very weird maybe. But people who are so reverent. People who look at Jesus and go, you are so worthy. And people who prepare for the coming, the pouring out, and the refilling of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus arrives on the scene. Here we go. Jesus comes. Again, no Christmas story, no away in a manger, no half the herald angels singing. Jesus is like 30 and he's already here. If this was my story, wouldn't have even started yet. I'm 24. Imagine that. Just bang. Here we are. 30-year-old Jesus comes from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Now, John the Baptist had just said that he was not even worthy to untie his sandals. And yet Jesus submits himself to a baptism of John the Baptist. We're going to look in a minute that Jesus is Messiah, Son of God, King of the Jews, King of the world. And yet he has this incredible humility that he submits himself to John the Baptist's baptism. When John the Baptist said he wasn't even worthy of touching Jesus' sandals. A humble king. This is one of the first things we're going to see through all of Mark. Who is this Messiah? Who is this King? And the first thing we see here is, look, he is humble. We're going to see he's a humble servant. We're going to see he's a a humble friend. We're going to see he's a humble King. And then what we saw in verse 1, verse 1 said, the beginning of the good news about the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. We see the baptism of Jesus. We see Jesus is the Son of God. Like the actual God, Yahweh himself, 
tears open the heavens. He saw heaven being torn open. He tears open the heavens. And the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And a voice, God's audible voice, says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now that, that is going to be the best baptism speech of all time. I don't know if, you know, in your tradition you did baptism speeches. Not really something that I think I had at my baptism, but I know at my wedding reception, my dad's speech, you should have seen that. It was, wow. I'm talking, he gave us a screwdriver and talked about like marriage and screwing. It was totally inappropriate, hilarious at the same time, but... This speech is even better than that. This speech from the father to his son tears open the heavens. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And God the Father says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We've got the Holy Trinity on display right here. If you ever need a, a proof text to go, what's with the Trinity? Where does it say there's Trinity in the Bible? This is a great place to go. God the Father tears open the heavens. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus. And the Father says to the Son, you are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then at once. Remember last week, Megan was saying, there's this word. Sometimes translated immediately, sometimes at once. 42 times in Mark, because Mark is a fast-paced gospel. At once, the Holy Spirit sends Jesus out into the wilderness. Now, when I receive the Holy Spirit, I'm thinking like, I want tongues. I want prophecies. I want healing, you know? I want all the good stuff. And yet Jesus receives the Holy Spirit and is immediately sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. It's a strange move again. Jesus has just come on the scene. In Mark's Gospel, we've skipped the Christmas story. We've skipped 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. We've skipped Jesus, the, the refugee baby in Egypt. Mark's gotten straight to the point. 30-year-old Jesus on the scene, his public ministry. And yet Jesus is baptised, affirmed as the Son of God, and is not led into the public square to minister, but led into the wilderness. What's interesting, though, is Isaiah prophesied that God will return to rescue his people like a new exodus. And if you know your Old Testament, Jesus has just been baptised. He's just gone through water. Jesus just received the Spirit. And then he's led into the wilderness for 40 days. Has anyone seen The Prince of Egypt? rip-snorting movie. We should have a movie night. We should all watch it. It's Disney at its best. Prince of Egypt. The Exodus story. God's people go through the waters. God gives them his spirit and then they're led into the wilderness for 40 years. This might be a strange move, but but what's actually happening is Jesus is embodying Israel's exodus story of rescue. And yet Jesus is the God who rescues at the very same time. 
We're going to begin to find out as we get into Mark that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. He is the God who rescues and saves, and yet the one who fully embodies Israel. He will live the life Israel should have lived, and yet suffer the death that they deserved. And the interesting thing just on that is that the Israel in the wilderness for 40 years were tempted and failed. Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days did not succumb to temptation. Jesus defeated Satan's temptation because Jesus embodies Israel's story. He embodies our story and yet he's the victor over sin, the victor over the devil where we never are. But because he embodies our story and because he embodies Israel's story, he gives us that victory. We move on to, to verse 14. John is put in prison. And so John is rejected. John is put in prison. John's story, in a way, is done. And now is the time. Jesus goes into Galilee and begins proclaiming the good news of God. Proclaiming the good news. Good news is news. It's a proclamation. It usually meant good news of a Roman military victory or a royal birth. But Jesus and the Christian movement, they co-opt this word. This word that's meant to be sort of this Roman military victory or royal birth. Good news. And they, they take this word, good news, and they say, we have true good news of a truly good victory, of a truly good new arrival. It's good news and it's, it's meant to be proclaimed. Jesus goes into Galilee and proclaims the good news. And this is important because often we'll hear people say, the good news, gospel means good news, right? The good news should be preached and when necessary use words. Preach the gospel and when necessary use words. And, and this sounds nice. It sounds nice because it resonates. Like A lot of Jesus' teaching is about the way you live, the way you love. The words that come out of your mouth are not necessarily the centre of how Jesus tells us to go and obey his teaching. But to say, preach the good news and when necessary use words, minimises that good news is a proclamation. That good news is an announcement. The gospel is an announcement. It does involve words. And we must remember this when we are going out and seeking to be gospel people. There are words to be proclaimed. And the words are this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. It is here now. You've been hoping, waiting, wanting, longing. Holding out hope for years and years that God would return, that he would return and restore his kingdom. And the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is near. Is here. Some translations say the kingdom of God is here. Some say near. I think our understanding often is that the kingdom of God is here, yet the text says the kingdom of God 
is near. Which one is it? Near, here? Should I start rapping? Maybe not today. Formal, formal Sunday. But it's, it's both near and here. If it's near, it doesn't mean that it's not yet here. It means the kingdom is here, but there still is more to come. Can you come up here, Jess, for a second? I have to use you because you're the only one I'm allowed to get writing in personal space. But... <laughs> come, come a bit closer. <laughs> Am I near, Jess? Am I near, Jess? Anyone? I'm near, Jess, but I'm also here with Jess. Thanks, Jess. Well done. Give her a hand. When I proposed, she said, I'm not going to be one of those ministry stage wives, but... Anyway. I'm near Jess in that instance, but I'm also here with Jess. I'm so near that I, that I am here. When Jesus says the kingdom is near, he's saying it's so near that you can touch it. Which means it is here, but there's even more to come. This is the beginning of the kingdom. This is what theologians call the now and not yet of the kingdom of God. It is both here and near. It has come, but the kingdom is still coming too. Now, I hate to talk about the grand final. But in the third quarter, Richmond just kicked away. But being the optimist I am, I still had hope. You know, the Crows had come back against Collingwood at the MCG a few weeks before. I'm, a, I'm just such a, a football optimist. But then in the last quarter, it was over. It was done. The Tigers had won. Richo was crying. I don't know if you saw that. The CEO, Brendan Gale, was crying. Like The game was over. Richmond had won. Sucked. <laughs> but there was still 15 minutes left. Like They still had to keep playing. The siren hadn't gone. They hadn't received the Premiership Cup yet. The game was over, and in a sense it was done. But in a sense there was still an end to come. And so too the arrival of the kingdom. It is here, but it's not totally done. The king has won. But the battle goes on between flesh and spirit, good and evil, God and devil, until that glorious day when all there is is kingdom. That glorious day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, that he is king. This is the good news, people. That the kingdom of God is near and here. That the king has come And we begin to find out as we read Mark's gospel that the king has won. That he is more powerful than Rome. That he is more powerful than sickness. He is more powerful than demons. More powerful than religion. More powerful than sin itself. So repent and believe this good news. And so to finish, I want to zoom in on verse 1 and verse 15. The beginning of the good news, at the end, repent and believe the good news. It's good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. 
It's good news that the kingdom of God has come near. I've talked, I've talked about good news. It's our gospel title, the good news. It, it means gospel. Gospel means good news. Evangelion is the original word. Gospel literally means good news. The gospel of Mark is the good news brought to us by Mark. Jesus' opening words are the kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the good news. And like I said earlier, this good news usually meant a a Roman royal birth or a Roman military victory. If a new heir to the heir, heir, I don't know how you say that word, H-E-I-R, heir to the throne was born or a war was won, then news, the good news would be heralded through the Roman Empire. And Jesus is proclaiming, he's heralding the good news. And this makes sense because this is political. This is militaristic in a sense. And this is news about a new royal arrival. You see, this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. And the Messiah was a long-awaited king. A king of Israel. And Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the new king. A king like David. And the kingdom of God is also political. The kingdom of God is about kingship, about authority, about reigning. The kingdom of God is is the reign of God. It's the time and space and place where God is king, where he is in control. And Jesus is saying, now is that time. It is here. And the king is Jesus. He is the Messiah, king of the Jews and king of the world. And this is not just good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the King, but Jesus, the Son of God. And this is where it gets crazy, because this isn't just about the Messiah coming, the new King coming. This is about God returning to. This is good news about the arrival of the Messiah and the arrival of God himself. And it all happens at once in Jesus. Good news about Jesus, Messiah. And good news about Jesus, Son of God. God is here. The kingdom is here. God is king. His name is Jesus. He is the Messiah and he is God himself. That is huge. Let's just take a five second breath break. Everyone just take a breath. That is huge. The king is here. His name is Jesus and he is God as well. What are we to do? Jesus says, repent and believe. Repent. I've talked about this before. Repent means turn the other way. Change your direction. Do a 180. Turn, repent and believe. Believe that he is king. Believe that he is God. Follow this king. Believe that he is control. He's in control. Believe in his reign and his power. Now the problem for us in our day and age is we don't like kings. We kill kings. It's a lot of, you know, if you do your history of 
a lot of the, the empires across the world, most of the goal is to kill the king. We don't like kings, we like democracy in the Western world because we prefer to vote because we get a say. And that's what we're going to do today. AGM, we vote. And, and that is cool, it is a good system. But God's way is that Jesus is king. We don't like kings. We like public authority minimised and personal autonomy maximised. We want to do what we do, like what we like, roll how we roll. You believe what you believe, I believe what I'll believe. You do you and let me be me. We want truth, morality and life to be subjective. But we have a king. And the kingdom is here. So Jesus says, repent. Jesus says, turn the other way. Do a 180. Drop your personal autonomy like it's hot. And follow me with all you've got. Jesus is king. He is the Messiah. He is God. So repent and believe this good news. Bow your knee and surrender your life to the king. His ways are the best ways. He is God on a rescue mission. He's rescuing his people, reconciling them to himself and putting the world to rights. The kingdom of God is near. The king is here, Willie Church. So come be a subject of the king. Lay your personal autonomy down and surrender to his holy authority. Our God and King rescues and saves. He is good, his love endures forever, and so will his kingdom. Where everything else will fall, he will remain. He will forever reign. He reorders and reorients the world and your life, putting it right. And so he calls us, reorder and reorient your life and your world to worship and follow him and be part of his kingdom. So I wonder, I wonder if anyone here isn't a Christian. Then please, pray a prayer of repentance and belief. Repent and believe. I'm not going to make you stick up your hand. The the numbers are small today. That would be embarrassing. But but if you want to become a Christian and and you're not, then Megan and I want to pray a prayer of repentance with you after this service. If it can't be today, it should be today, but if it can't for some reason, it has to be soon. Because the fulfilment of this kingdom is near. One day soon, he's wrapping this all up. So repent and believe ASAP. And the rest of us who are Christians, I wonder what you're hoping, waiting, longing for. The job, the partner, the restored relationship, the court case, the fixing of your circumstances, the lotto, the answer. Israel were waiting and hoping on a king like David to save them and defeat the Romans. They were waiting on God himself to return and rescue them, 
just like he did in the past. And they got Jesus, God and King, but very differently to what they expected. I wonder how the good news of Jesus' arrival, of the arrival of the kingdom, might shape or transform the way we hope, wait and want. You see, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is here. But we live in a world of empires. And God's kingdom is not uncontested. So who will you align to? Where will your allegiance be? Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus, for your good news. May we repent and believe. May we bow our knee and surrender our life to your kingship to your kingdom. May we choose to align ourselves with you, King Jesus. Even though we're surrounded by empires that appeal to our wants and desires and needs through all sorts of ways. May our wanting and waiting and longing and hoping be transformed by the good news that you are king, that you are God, and that you are here. Amen.